Wellness Wednesday program of Endless Possibilities and we have on the line with us Roy, the CEO of the uh, Gut Foundation. How are you this morning, Roy? Uh, good morning, Catherine Meekin. Uh, I'm very well, thank you. How are you? We're good, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out to have a chat with us this morning. Uh, gut health is a fundamental, um, really it's the fundamentals of uh, health when we look at it, isn't it? Oh, well, I, um, as my uh, president Professor Imada Omar uh, kept saying to me is that Hippocrates, uh, the father of medicine, said that all diseases uh, begin in the gut, and uh, he reinforces uh, to me that you know that's right. Mm. Um, I think we've all got a very intuitive um, sense about how the importance of the gut to the rest of our body, and we're all very familiar with those sayings, you know, gut instinct, gut feeling. Mm. And we've all had those experiences where, you know, either stress or something's not quite gone right. And you actually, uh, there's a visceral reaction in your in your gut. So uh, uh, I think we're all very familiar from a layperson's perspective of the importance of the gut. But as I'll talk to you shortly, um, I think that there's a quite a, a lot that we have to do in terms of understanding our gut and its importance to human health. So tell me, what, what, how did the Gut Foundation come around and the main missions of it? So the, the Gut Foundation was founded by the late Professor Terry Boland, who was really a pioneer, gastroenterologist, and a pioneer in his field, um, quite literally a giant of a man in all respects. And uh, we are standing on his shoulders um, at the Gut Foundation. The work that he did was established in uh, 1983 by him and uh, some fellow uh, uh, gastroenterologists, and he really felt that uh, as a country we were lagging in terms of our understanding about gut and gut health. And so he went about trying to raise the profile of gut health, and in particular tackle some of some of the you know the terrible diseases that emerge uh, from the gut. And uh, I should talk about what the gut is, but particularly things like bowel cancer. And so. It really established uh, itself about 40 years ago with this broad mission to improve the digestive health of all Australians. Yeah, that's great. That's It's good because it's uh, something that um, I think is really needed for people to start getting an awareness more. And I think they are really about health. I think that uh, people are starting to ask questions. Do you find that? Uh, yes. Look, I think there is an increasing awareness around gut health and uh, I think, as I mentioned earlier, before we went on air, you know, sort of, uh, I have to confess, I'm, I'm, I'm not a medical professional, so I'm really mm. talking about it from a, a layperson's perspective. I run the business administration, if you like, of the yeah. foundation and where the medical expertise uh, lies is in our board. We've got some uh, very prominent and eminent uh, gastroenterologists, cardio, uh, cardio, cardiologists as well, to sort of that linkage to a broader health sense. But I think it's really important to understand that uh, the gut, most people associate that, associate that with your stomach. Actually, when we talk about the gut, we talk about everything from your mouth uh, down to the back end of the business, if I can put it that way. Yeah. And that includes, uh, you know, obviously the mouth, the esophagus, uh, yeah. through to the stomach, the pancreas, the large and small intestines, um, the rectum and the anus, and so all the way through it. So it is a quite a complex system, um, but it is, uh, from our perspective, uh, pivotal and uh, fundamental to human health. 
I think a lot of people don't quite understand that uh, the digestion starts in the mouth. It's when you first take that bit of food, probably starts before then, probably starts when your nervous system starts up and says, hey, I wouldn't mind a bit of food, and you start <laughs> sniffing around and, you know, you see something, you go, whoa, that looks good, wouldn't mind a bit of that. And uh, then we put it into our mouth and that's actually when we start to um, – so I'm actually a naturopath and Megan also is uh, in the uh, health industry too um, – and that's when actually it starts the digestion process. Indeed, and obviously as we um, uh, anticipate that we're about to eat uh, something, our uh, saliva glands are stimulated. Yeah. So it literally does um, start even before you do put something yeah. um, in your mouth and obviously the feelings of hunger and a whole range of related um, body and uh, human reactions occur um, I, I'm, I'm really glad that you actually have raised um, the issue about before we actually start eating because mm. I think this is an area where there is a, a growing awareness, but it's something that in our work, which is designed to not only undertake research, but also to promote awareness in the community about gut health and indeed to advocate to governments um, and try to influence policy. Um, but it really, the front end is so important, if I can use that term, in terms of uh, our um, managing our gut health. And it's pretty intuitive. Um, most of your listeners would understand that, you know, good, healthy living comes from, you know, really a big part of it, obviously, is good, healthy diet. And so really having that awareness about what you're eating and the, the choices that you make in relation to your diet are fundamental to good gut health. Now, that's not to say some people do have gut disorders that um, are either naturally emerging or have come over time. Stress is a, is a big indicator or, sorry, a big uh, contributor to some um, uh, gut uh, uh, disorders, particularly uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, so... Uh, I think uh, there are things that uh, go beyond the diet, but the diet is fundamental to ensuring that we maintain and sustain good gut health, and that goes with all uh, health-related issues, as you'd be well aware. Yeah, yeah. totally. Absolutely. I, I'm just reflecting on, on that the things that you're bringing up there, Roy, and thinking, you know, 40 years ago, 40 years ago when this Gut Foundation came on board, the topics, I'm guessing, would have been quite different to what we're talking about today as that awareness has started to grow, like you mentioned. So where did yeah, the look, Gut I Foundation think, start its focus and what is it currently? Look, we, um, as I mentioned earlier when we were talking, is that um, our initial focus or the Foundation's initial focus was really on the issue of bowel cancer. Now, um, your listeners may be aware that bowel cancer uh, is one of our most significant um, uh, cancers in this country. In terms of mortality rates, it's the second highest um, in the country. And uh, the, the concern that we have about that is that its prevalence is increasing to people of a, a younger age. When we say younger age, uh, that's people under the age of 50. So uh, one thing which Professor Terry Boland did was he was very influential working with government and stakeholders in establishing the National Bowel Cancer Screening Program which um, is a free uh, program that gets mailed out to and a testing kit gets mailed out to all Australians aged between uh, 50 and 74 um, every two years. 
and people take a, uh, a small stool sample, they send that back and that gets tested. And so that has really been a key and indeed a world-leading testing program and screening program that is trying to reduce the incidence of bowel cancer um, in this country. Um, and if you've just got a, a couple of minutes, I, I really would like to talk a little bit more about that because uh, whilst that is a great program, we are still, we're still seeing a bit of a challenge around that program about people taking that test up. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, I'm, I'm about to hit that magic 5.0 number and one of the things I'm fully aware is I'm going to get my screening kit um, and how important it is to, to do that. Um, and yes, you're right. So many people don't take that next step. Yeah, and to look up, you know, sort of pleased to hear that uh, you're obviously going to take the test, and that that's great. And I would encourage everyone who is in that uh, that category, and I'm, you know, I'm in that category, and um, you know, I've done the test a number of times. It is a very easy and simple test to do, and it could save your life. And that's probably the most important thing that really needs to be put across to people is that by doing this simple test, um, it could save your life, but Unfortunately, it gets mailed out to a very uh, large number of people, um, but only about 40 to 42% of the people who receive that, um, that kit uh, actually do the test and uh, send it back. So about yeah. 60% or up to 60% are not doing the test. So um, and I'll talk to a couple of causal factors around yeah. that shortly. Um, what is even more alarming is that if, as a consequence of doing the test, you get a letter back to say, look, there might be an issue that you need to go and check with your GP or a specialist. Um, again, about uh, only 60% of people are following that up. Oh, gee. Um, and so not, not everyone is following that up, even when if they do get a notice. So um, in the work that we've done and the conversations that we've done with the Federal Department of Health and Aging, we're trying to help them to raise that awareness and also to raise those connections between not only doing the test but following up if you do get a letter. It's really, really important that people do this because, as I said, the incidence of bowel cancer remain, unfortunately and tragically, way too high in this country. Um, Question. Do we know a reason why people are not... um, doing the test or why they are not responding to letters? So it's a really good question. Um, and uh, the Department of Health and Ageing do a number of reports, have been doing this since the scheme was introduced in 2006. And it, the scheme has evolved over the last you know, 18 years or so. And so it's... Um, uh, those reports highlight a couple of things. And our own research in uh, the uh, Gut Foundation we've carried out also reinforces that. And first of all, I think there is a stigma uh, around uh, gut health and uh, in particular bowel cancer um, because we are talking about, uh, how do I say this, um, uh, the less uh, glamorous part of health, if I can put it that way. We're talking about flatulence, we're talking about feces, we're talking about things which people generally don't talk about at the best of times. And so I think there is a bit of a a stigma stigma associated with it. Uh, Even though the the Department of Health and Aging do a great job 
and put out this kit with the in, um, information that goes with it in multiple languages. Mm. Um, getting ensuring that everyone understands it and what's involved is also a key challenge. And of course, people in remote and uh, and regional communities uh, getting out to them, particularly uh, Indigenous people. Uh, in uh, remote Aboriginal communities, and that's an area of um, concern to make sure mm. that we are reaching those people. The program is so there's a, a range of factors, but the biggest thing I think is the stigma yep. that is associated with it, and the and the reticence to do the test that comes with that. I, I find this always interesting when you look at things of why something or what you know, your symptom is or getting actually down to the core issue. And if we can get to that core issue and hopefully, you know, find a solution to it, then usually all the other domino effects that come off that is usually what we're concerned about um, then gets fixed. With the uh, stigma around, um, you know, the uh, having to do the bowel cancer test, I mean, I, I agree with you 100%. I reckon that is a stigma because it's not something we talk about. And it's the same when you go into different areas, like particularly mental health, we don't want to talk about suicide or depression. You know, they're things that people are fearful of judgment. But it's interesting when you move into the bowel cancer because – no one will know. So the judgment is their own self. Yeah, I think, and this is a, a really interesting point. Our, our research that we've undertaken um, in, in recent times, uh, earlier this year, um, even just with general gut disorders, uh, sort of the feedback that we got in taking the research at face value was a, you know, a statistical sound sample size, mm. um, was that, a lot of us aren't even talking to our dog when I say a lot, sorry, um, a number of us aren't even talking to our GPs about some of our, our gut-related disorders, you know, and the, the figures that we have is around 20% um, of people aren't even talking to the GPs. Some even don't talk to their partners and, you know, a majority won't talk to their friends or their colleagues uh, about it as well. So uh, it goes back to that stigma. As I say, we're talking about some um, some pretty uncomfortable topics of conversation. Um, and so I think people uh, are generally sort of holding back a little bit. Um, and uh, what we would encourage is not to do that um, and to actually be a little bit more inclusive in your conversations. Um, I always, when I'm presenting, I always say, look, we, we should be comfortable talking about poo. I'm sorry yeah. about the vernacular, but no, yeah. we should be comfortable talking about that mm. um, because it really is an important function mm. of, uh, as we know, of uh, our bodies. The, it, and Can I just... Go. Sorry, go on. No, go on. No, no I was just going to say, uh, just the other sort of amazing statistic that comes in with bowel cancer in particular is that if it's detected early, your survival rates are really, really high, potentially mm. above 90%. Mm. The problem is that if you don't detect it early and you wait for the symptoms to yes. uh, present themselves, yes. it usually is, not always, but it usually uh, indicates that the cancer is more advanced and yes. so your survivability decreases. This is why the testing program was put in place, so to really enhance that, um, mm. that early detection arrangement. Mm. Uh, I just want to say that I would like to have um, uh, one of our programs that we do and we talk about poo 
And, um, you know, I think the more we talk about it, our poo tells us so much about our body. And I will talk about it because it is, it's very, very interesting. If you take away the fact of whatever you want to around poo, the thing is that the, the size, the colour, the shape, how dense it is and form, all of that's that. That's right, everything <laughs> it, and the smell, it's all got to do with your – it's an indication to what's happening inside your body. So when the body was developed by whatever and whoever and whatever magnificent person being, um, generational thing, whatever it was – it really is a wonderful piece of work because if you look at it, we're saying, the body's saying to you, hey, help, help, and it's up to you whether you listen consciously. Yeah, that's, that's uh, very true. And I think that um, what we are seeing is that um, encouragingly younger generations are a little bit more open to these conversations. The research indicated that uh, – it's people in that sort of middle age bracket uh, that are uh, a bit more reticent to have the conversation. So there are some um, some good indicators, uh, certainly from what we've seen, that indicates that younger generations are a bit more open about this and a whole bunch of related conversations. And I think that would also apply um, to mental health, uh, where it's a bit more of a, a common conversation, understanding and an openness. And so what we're about is continuing the conversation, encouraging the conversation, but there's still a lot of people in that at-risk um, category that uh, aren't either engaged in the conversation or doing things like the uh, the bowel cancer screening test. And you mentioned earlier that, that um, the incidence of bowel cancer on the increase, but also under that screening test age... Yeah, so this is uh, an area which is um, a bit of a policy debate. Uh, our colleagues in Bowel Cancer Australia, and I do need to call out to them because they're, they're principally focused on bowel cancer. In the Gut Foundation, we look across the whole, um, if you like, uh, area and suite of digestive health, mm-hmm. but their organisation like Bowel Cancer Australia is really focused on this particular issue. But there is a debate as to whether the um, age should be lowered. Uh, the um, thinking is in a number of areas from a number of stakeholders at least to 45 and potentially as low as 40. Um, that's under consideration um, in terms of uh, the process to uh, that overseas and the governance arrangements that oversees the test. But there certainly is um, uh, an agitation to try and lower the um uh, the age at which the testing is introduced. And that's particularly the case also for Indigenous communities, and I think that is under active consideration. Yeah. Um, look, would you be okay if you stayed around and we'd just go to a short sponsor break? Yeah, no problems at all. Right. Thank thanks, you. Thanks a lot. The heartbeat of the Hawkesbury. Need flowers, hampers, gifts or wedding flowers and event hire? Call Angels Florist now on 458-776-81 or order online angelsflorist.com.au Angels Florist, serving and supporting the Hawkesbury for over 25 years. Station sponsor The Pulse of the Hawkesbury 89.9 and we're back within topic and – well, we're not in top. Wow. <laughs> wow. Jeez, I did that wrong. That was the Monday program, people. Forget that. We're on Wellness Wednesday. <laughs> I just do a promo for my Monday promo product then. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, Roy. 
It's just me having a moment. That's no problem. Um, right. <laughs> so back back on to what we're talking about um, with the ages of um, trying to lower that test. Um, look, there's so much more to that what uh, the Gut Foundation does as well, isn't there? Oh, indeed. And um, we we look at a range of uh, digestive disorders. If you go to our website, which is www.gutfoundation.com.au, we've got a range of uh, resource booklets that look right across the, the spectrum of gut um, disorders. So uh, bacteria and ulcers, obviously we've spoken about uh, bowel cancer, celiac disease, yeah. Um, uh, a range of other things like irritable bowel syndrome, which mm. is a, a major issue, particularly amongst women. Um, it's incredibly prevalent, uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Um, and this is an area where, once again, uh, people are a little bit reticent to talk about that. Diverticular disease and also things like um, uh, diarrhea in children. So there's a range of things, a range of resources that we provide public information on um, and looking across the board. Uh, at those, and uh, we look to update those. Uh, they're plain speaking um, uh, uh, resources, so it helps demystify things for people like me um, who don't have a medical uh, professional background. So it tries to encourage people to look into um, uh, the the issue that they may be confronted with and understand it in a bit more of a layperson's terms. I also notice those booklets that you have on there. You also have that cookbook as well for good. Good gut cookbook. Yes, yeah. absolutely, and so, so um, that's and that's where I go to talk about um, you know sort of looking at the front end of yeah. uh, the, the digestive system and preparing um, good foods to sort of promote uh, gut health. High, high in dietary fibre, low yeah. in um, saturated fats and sugars. And again, this is uh, pardon the expression. This is not rocket science. I think people are very well aware of it. Yeah, it's about practicing. Um, you know, good healthy habits. I think why there is a concern, and this is uh, there's some work being undertaken into this as to why people, particularly people born past 1990, sort of increasing risk of bowel cancer, for example, mm. is because of the advent of the change in diet that has been happening in um, uh, Western societies, generally higher in processed foods, higher in sugar content, yeah. um, or, you know, particularly uh, processed uh, sugars. So uh, these areas that we just need to be more mindful of, and that's what we're about in terms of promoting those sorts of uh, resources to the community. Yeah, it's really hard. You know, it's we've had. Um uh, a professor on that's written the Mediterranean cookbook and spoken mm. to her about you know health, gut health, re- why why these things, why it's important, and you know the more and more you talk about what you need to do, I think it's sometimes it sort of it fears people because it's like well you know I, I I won't be able to get all the yummy things that are around that are advertised by all the marketing companies, and I think that's a really big thing we have to try and get over with um, teaching people that, you know, the, the, the food is yummy, but it's actually the fuel of the body. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we, we obviously can't function without food. Um, it's about making uh, good choices um, and smart and informed choices. Um, and, look, there is, a, as you say, a range of foods out there um, and, you know, 
probably where we focus on is that particularly if you have a disorder, sort of seeing the expert advice, seeing your doctor, in some cases they would refer you to a specialist, uh, you know, in some cases that could be even a gastroenterologist, to actually deal with some of these disorders. Now, some of that might be dietary related, um, some of it uh, may be beyond, there might be some physiological issues that are in play there. But I think, you know, it all starts, as we've said a number of times in this conversation, about making good, healthy um, choices. But for, for people who are gluten intolerant, celiac disease, etc., there are some fundamentals that they will need to be diagnosed with and tested for to make sure that they actually can make informed decisions about what they should and shouldn't eat. Mm, yeah. It's just so important um, that work with the Gut Foundation and all the data that you've been talking about. Um, obviously, a lot of time is spent by the Gut Foundation in doing research. What is the sort of clinical research that's going on at the moment? I'll just talk a little bit about the history and then I'll talk about where we uh, uh, we're sort of pivoting as an organisation in terms of our future research priorities. But um, one of the things that we've done is we've actually undertaken, we, we did research in, uh, a number of years ago into supporting the bowel cancer work and what we also did is follow that up with some, what are called some field activities where we actually went into communities, we went into uh, into Wagga and we went into uh, Port Macquarie and uh, these are a number of years ago and what we found is that when you really actively promote and you engage with the medical community, particularly your GPs, and you try and create those linkages between the public, um, you know, the, the community and your GPs and being out there and active and promoting, that you actually you take up rate of things like the bowel cancer screening tests, which we proactively send out working through GPs actually really increased the, um, the participation rate. And I uh, think Port Macquarie, we, uh, we got it up to about 75% or thereabouts wow. based on the, the work that we did. Yep. So we've done a number of those field-type studies. Um, as I mentioned, the, the, we're now looking at where to from here. We've obviously continued the work that we've got in establishing the suite of resources we've got around the, the various um, uh, digestive-related disorders which are available on our website. But what we really want to start um, looking into is the relationship, obviously, the gut and the microbiome and how that impacts on um, uh, wider health uh, issue and the health of uh, issues in the body, the linkage between uh, the gut and neurological conditions such as dementia and uh, Parkinson's. Yep. So th that is an area that we, uh, or potential linkages, I should say, um, and uh, that's an area that we're really focused on um, engaging into the future. And we're doing some work, early work at this stage uh, with the University of New South Wales and the Microbiome Research Centre, and uh, we hope to be uh, engaging in that space fairly soon. Interesting. Yeah, that's fabulous, yeah. Fabulous work. It's a, I, I'm sort of, um, again, from a lay person's perspective, I call it a bit of a frontier in this in this space of microbiome and research around there, there is a bit of work happening and has been for a few years, but it's still an area of um, you know, significant uh, research and yeah. opportunity and the, and the microbiome research centre is at, uh, at, which is with the University of New South Wales is, is at the forefront of that. And so we've got uh, a potential opportunity to be engaged with them mm. and talk about and do some work with them around uh, gut-related disorders. 
I think that – sorry, Megan. Okay. <laughs> I, I just think that the relationship between gut and mental health and, as you said, Parkinson, all these type of diseases, I think that's just absolutely fascinating and it's so good that people will learn that what they put in is what they will be in some ways. In some cases, I'll just put that bit in because a mm-hmm. lot of people just have – cannot cannot – put through themselves, cannot fathom the fact that what they're eating is actually in some ways determining their mood and things like that that are related with food and the neurotransmitters. Um, But, look, I I just find that really interesting. Yeah, and I was just going to say, like, investigating our, our gut and that link with the microbiome, setting up that beautiful environment, um, there's so much confusion about what it's meant to be. So I really look forward to what will come out in public health um, to support the education of everyone within that. Yes, I think, look, it is an exciting area for us and, um, uh, you know, it's an area that obviously in working with the microbiome research if we actually uh, able to achieve that, um, would be a great step forward for us as a foundation mm-hmm. um, and really sort of exploring, as I say, that, that new frontier and adding, you know, sort of a, a, another layer to the work that the foundation does. Oh, marvellous. I have a question for you. How's mm-hmm. your own health improved since you've been working there? <laughs> uh, well, that's a good question. I thought Look, it I might like be. Think- <laughs> I'd like to think that I lead a fairly active and healthy life um, as it as it uh, is. Um, I, I think probably in what it has done is uh, uh, is it's really made me more aware mm. of um, of these issues. Mm. Uh, the also well, had an awareness around bowel cancer, and I think certainly before I joined the uh, the organisation. Uh, I had done a screening test, and indeed, I had uh, you know as a, a colonoscopy, which is really the gold standard uh, in terms of uh, assessing uh, the bowel for any uh, issues around bowel cancer and related uh, diseases. So, I, I certainly uh, had first-hand experience about it. But I think probably what I've learned is just the, the prevalence of it, and uh, you know, sort of the importance about uh, the things that we've been talking about: early detection, um, good, healthy uh, choices in terms of diet, and those things. So, I think um, uh, that's probably been the key thing for me: is awareness, which is a big part of uh, what we try to do. Our, our mission is to improve the digestive health of all Australians. It's a it's a lofty but laudable uh, ambition and mission. Um, and uh, it's something that we will continue to pursue and uh, actively pursue. So hopefully that we can make a positive difference to the lives of Australians. Absolutely. Look, I really hope that um, people have been listening this morning and just the understanding that the Gut Foundation is there and it's doing a lot of amazing work to look after our health. So for those people that are excited about what they're hearing today, want to know more, what's the best way for them to get involved or how can people get involved with the Gut Foundation? Well, the, the best way, I think, is in terms of going to our website and uh, really um, uh, the things that we would be most delighted with, of course, we'd greatly appreciate any donation and there's a simple uh, way to do that through the website um, with a donate uh, button on the website. But it's also just to 
to read and to understand more about gut health. And I think that is the, the, the best call to action that I would, uh, uh, would reach out to the community on and your listeners on and to talk about your gut health uh, with your, your doctor and your GP, particularly if you're feeling any symptoms um, that may be gut-related. So I think in order for us to fulfil our mission, the best thing that people uh, would ask people to do um, is to you know, uh, get an understanding of what the gut is about and then to, if they've got any concerns, talk to their doctor. That's the, that's the great starting point. Um, and uh, if you're in that age bracket where you get the bowel cancer screening test, please do the test. It's do a very test. simple and easy test. Um, and it could save your life. And that's the, the most compelling message uh, that I'd like to impart uh, on your listeners today. All right, then we'll... Um, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do the test, people. <laughs> yeah, do the test. I appreciate the time that you spent with us this morning. And uh, I, I see on your page you have fundraising events and it'd be lovely to see some schools getting involved in that. And, uh, you know, the kids even having ideas of how they could raise funds for healthy eating or something like that so that it builds that awareness and, you know, even the parents for uh, build that awareness too. And I know that, that a lot of parents have uh, trouble, and I'm particularly thinking of my grandchildren here, with getting them to eat healthy food. And maybe if we had something like this in the schools, it would teach children uh, the healthy foods and the benefits. But to start with our youth would be a wonderful thing. Yeah, and look, I should call out there's, um, you know, we're, we're a, a voice among a number of people in this, uh, uh, in this area. As I said, we cross the spectrum of gut related disorders, but you've got people like Bowel Cancer Australia, um, and an, uh, a range of others mm. who are working in this space. And there are programs out there about healthy eating in schools, but, you know, by all means, if people want to reach out, um, our contact details are there. Um, and we'd be happy to assist where we can um, to ensure that uh, we can improve the digestive health of all Australians. And as you rightly point out, it starts when you're young. Yeah, it does. So, um, yeah, young and old, because we want the, the people that are over that age group that have got that really bad stigma about uh, getting into your poo and getting it sorted... Um, that's really where we need to get some some education too. So maybe the young people can teach the grandparents too. Yep, uh, all help would be gratefully received. Yep. Okay then. Well, look, thank you very much for your time. Appreciate it, and um, we will uh, put a link to the Gut Foundation on our uh, socials as well with the podcast from this after we finish today. That's great. Thank you both very much for the opportunity and the time to talk about this issue. And, uh, yeah, please go to our website and I uh, really appreciate the, uh, the ability to just uh, do a bit more to try and achieve the, the mission of the foundation. No worries. Okay. Thanks, Thank you Roy. very much, Roy. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Megan. Bye. And, of course, that was Roy from the Gut, found- oh, yeah, the gut Foundation. Oh. In here. And the base keeps running, running. And running, running, and running, running, and running, running, and running, running.